Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. In Matthew chapter 27, man, another sober time uh, in the Word of God. We're coming to the crucifixion chapter of Jesus Christ, his his trials, bringing before Pontius Pilate. And there's a lot in this chapter, but what I wanted to really focus on is the silence of Jesus. If anyone ever had something to say and a right to say it, it was Jesus Christ. But in an amazing display of control and self-discipline, Jesus in his trial possessed his soul, self-control. I'm going to begin reading in chapter 27 and verse number 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, You say it. And when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, here it is, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they witness against you? And he answered him, Never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was known to release to the people a prisoner, whomever they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom will you that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And they they persuaded the multitude to destroy Jesus. Wow. Amazing. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two will you that I release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. So what a sober moment here in the life of Jesus Christ. We have here Jesus' second appearance before Pilate. Matthew doesn't mention the first one. Luke does in chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. And between these two trials, we see in Luke that Pilate had sent Jesus before Herod for trial as well. And really, as you study all the accounts of the Gospels, you find that there was actually six trials that Jesus went through. One before Annas, the former high priest, one before Caiaphas, the high priest, one before the Sanhedrin, two before Pilate, and one before Herod. So literally, Jesus was accused, uh, listened to, never found guilty, and yet crucified as the sin offering of God for us. So Pilate comes and Jesus is before him. And it's interesting because if you look at the strength of verse 11, he says, are you the king of the Jews? Now, Pilate was known in history to be a very cruel man, very unsympathetic to the Jews. 
And that sentence that's translated, are you the king of the Jews? There's an interesting thing they do in the Greek language. They put the word that has the strongest emphasis or, or focus at the beginning of the sentence. We don't do that in English. In English, we put the subject first, then the verb, and then the object afterward. Uh, Greek doesn't do that. Man, Greek can take the end of the sentence, the word there, and put it at the beginning because the emphasis, the emphatic position shows you what is the focus of it. And in this sentence, the word that is first in this sentence in this question is you. So it's more like Pilate is saying, you, the king of the Jews? Here's this bloodied, uh, beaten man. Here's this man who's been up all night. Here's this man that probably is in, you know, soiled clothes that's been drugged through the dirt from Gethsemane to uh, the place where the Sanhedrin met. Weary, tired, been pummeled, you, the king of the Jews. And here we have Jesus Christ, unrecognized, unjustly accused, and really undefended other than this little side note that Pilate's wife had a touch from God and saw something there in a dream. But it reminds us so much what we see here in Jesus that um, was prophesied about him about 800 years earlier in Isaiah chapter number 53. Isaiah 53, 4 through 7 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, unrecognized. He was the one bearing our griefs, yet we just saw him as a stricken and afflicted man, nothing of great value. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, crushed for us. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought like a lamb to the slaughter and like a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. So here's Jesus before a pilot, unrecognized, unjustly accused, and undefended, just like the prophet said he would. And the most amazing thing in this to me is his silence. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7 tells us there is a time to keep silent. There's a time to kind of button our lip. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says, um, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And then it says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. So what's he saying? Is there a contradiction there? No, it's just sometimes an answer is worthy, sometimes it isn't. So what you're really seeing on display in Christ's silence is his wisdom. It's his wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. And in the context of our scripture today, Jesus was clearly outspoken by the crowd, yet he was totally in control. It was his will he was accomplishing. I think in this age of social media, how you can absolutely be shouted down by the crowd. And oftentimes the loudest voice is the one that is heard. Yet I think we see great wisdom in Christ here who's clearly outspoken by the crowd, and yet he was absolutely in control. 
absolutely at peace and absolutely in the will of God. So, you know, there can be great power in silence, especially when our silence is not out of fear, but our silence is really a tip of the hat to God that he's in control and that he's faithful. In other words, my silence is my allowing God to be in control, realizing I don't have to be in control. I don't have to always defend myself. I don't have to always be right or be perceived as right because when you please God, it doesn't matter who you displease. And so here he is, Jesus tipping the hat to the greatness of his Father and his confidence in him to take care of him in this time of testing and crucifixion. You know, I think of over in 1 Peter, chapter number 2, where Peter refers to this moment in the life of Christ in his first epistle. And it says in 1 Peter 2, 23, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But I love this, listen. He committed himself to him that judges righteously. So Jesus' silence was not a passive silence, neither does our silence need to be a passive silence. It's a trusting silence. It's a committed silence. It's a resting silence in him who uh, judges righteously. Talks about Jesus who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. It says, for you were, for you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. He just remained silent and in control. First verse in the next chapter says, likewise, you wives. And then in verse seven, it says, likewise, you husbands. And then in verse eight, it says, finally, all of you to each other. The Lord here in Peter is taking the behavior of Jesus Christ in his silence before Pilate, and he's making an application to us in the most practical areas of life. Wives to your husbands, husbands to your wives, all of us to each other. In other words, we don't always have to be right. We don't always have to, you know, have that last word. And he says in verse 12 of Peter 3, he says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. So here's Jesus, power in his silence. Amazing self-control. We just read that small part of Matthew chapter 27, but you go further into the chapter and you look beginning in verse 39 about all that he went through. It says, they that passed by, they reviled him saying, you that destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself if you're the son of God. Verse 41, likewise, the chief priests mocked him with the scribes and elders. Verse 44, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. So here is Jesus tried by Pilate, falsely accused by the leaders, mocked by the crowd, mocked by the elders, mocked even by the other thieves on the cross with him. And the Bible says, yet he opened not his mouth. And what amazing self-control. But what guided that self-control? Was it weakness? Well, we know that's not true. He could have called down uh, legions of angels to defend him. It wasn't weakness. Was it that he was wrong? No, he, he wasn't wrong. He was the embodiment of truth and right. 
Was it because of fear? No, it wasn't fear at all. The Bible says, for the joy that went before him, he endured the cross. So what was it that kept him in silence? It was faith. It was trust. It was confidence. And what Jesus is putting on display for us is the silence of faith. Now, I'm not talking about a woman being silent when she's being beaten and abused. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not saying this is a universal of silence to never open our mouth when we see wrong and God's word being violated or people being oppressed. The Bible clearly tells us to speak up in those cases. It goes back to what we said at the beginning. It's it's the wisdom to know when to speak. And, and I think the wisdom typically is when we find the motivation speak to somehow to be proven right rather than pointing people to Jesus. So what about us? In our time of suffering, and obviously Jesus was suffering tremendously going to the cross, but more broadly, if it's the will of God, we have to lean into his defense, his love, his self uh, safekeeping. So in other words, like 1 Peter 4.19 says, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as to a faithful creator. So the word for the day is this. Our first line of self-defense must always be to lean into the unwavering faithfulness of our Father. It is the silence of faith. It is the example of Christ that we don't have to have our way, but God needs to have his way through our yieldedness to him. So don't see silence as weakness. It can absolutely be one of the greatest strengths if it's done in faith and if it's led by a trust and a confidence in the Father to defend us. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.